0: Got three people down there, the ball's up in the air, caught. touchdown, caught by Westbrook for a touchdown. I think they like my Colorado sway cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act, and when no am in it go, you know I'm acting bad, Holly to books with my Colorado, swag. my Colorado swag, Welcome into the DMVR Buffs podcast. Presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we have two things to talk about. Um, obviously, we have to talk about this game against Arizona State tomorrow night. Uh, should be should be a fun one. I ran through some of the numbers. Really, really spent a lot of time studying up on Arizona State. So uh, we're, we're going to close out the show with that. That'll be the last thing you hear before the game. We'll do the podcast tomorrow after the game. And... Uh, Also, we're going to start the show by talking about some recruiting stuff. In particular, there was a quarterback from Colorado Springs, four-star quarterback, a guy with plenty of offers. He decided to go to Arizona. Uh, So we're going to talk about that, but in the context of, you know, did Colorado miss out here? And you know, the the bigger subject of just in-state recruiting at this point in time. And we might as well just dig in. Uh, so Braden Dorman is the quarterback down at Vista Ridge in Colorado Springs six four and a half, two oh six, 206 like kind of your it, he's what you're looking for right he's a prototype quarterback as of now he's the second highest recruit uh, in the state of Colorado he actually just got bumped down uh, from number one he's one of two four-star recruits from the state of Colorado. Like I mentioned, he announced yesterday that he is going to Arizona. Uh, And he had some options. He had some options. Uh, Colorado offered him. Colorado State offered him, of course. Um, You also see Cal from the Pac-12. Kansas. uh, Oregon State. Wisconsin. So, uh, Mississippi State with uh, Leach. I guess that's another notable one. Some good schools. Iowa State was really successful last year. That's a great offer to pick up. As I mentioned, winds up committing to Arizona and I think that there's a lot at play here and so let's just kind of start with the basic how upset should CU fans be that they didn't get Brayden Dorman to me again like it's it's not that big of a deal Um, whenever there's a highly rated recruit in Colorado you want him, right? And, and it's never going to feel good to not get him. But you have to remember the circumstances, too. I mean, if you're, if you're Brayden, what are you looking for? You're looking for an opportunity to play games in front of people so that you can get recognized and go to the NFL. So you start at the beginning of the sentence, to play. It's a tough situation at Colorado to play right now um, because, I mean, you just look at how everything's set up with J.T. Shroud, who has two years of eligibility left. Um, with uh, Brendan Lewis, who has three years of eligibility left. On top of that, I guess, if he wanted to, he could redshirt this season if he doesn't win the starting job and still have three years of eligibility left after this season. Um, In a similar boat, you've got Maddox Cop with four left. You've got Drew Carter, who... Did he burn his redshirt? I don't think he burned his redshirt last year, no. So he would have four years of eligibility left. Um... Owen McCown coming in as well in this class. And also, I mean, it is worth noting that Colorado already picked up um, Ryan Staub, a quarterback from Southern California. Uh, so as of right now in the composite rankings, Staub is number 47. Dorman is number 13 among all quarterbacks in the 2023 20, class. There we go. Had to do a lot of thinking. That's a class with... Uh, Arch Manning at the very top, of course. But would you rather have the guy who's number 13 than number 47? Probably. You know, when you when you get into some of these guys who are rated similarly, have some maybe some more similar traits, more prototypical size when you get to Staub, then you could say, like, yeah, oh, it could be a preference. And in this case, I mean, it still could be a preference. It could be that there's whatever sort of offense that Colorado wants to run and they're looking for whatever they're looking for. And Staub, they think, is a better fit than uh, Dorman or potentially, like, they they think that the fit is similar in terms of style, but maybe the quarterbacks, the the, the ratings here are wrong. Uh, so you do have that. And, but, I mean, when the gap is as big as it is in terms of the outside perspective, you probably would guess that Carl Durrell and Mike Sanford would be happier with Braden Dorman than Ryan Staub. I mean it point nine one recruit versus a point eight two recruit point eight yeah point eight two recruit again the recruiting rankings we don't need to do this rant every time we bring them up but they're flawed they're definitely flawed um so it's kind of this holistic thing right where does it is this what you want no, it's not what you want. Is it what you get when you have six scholarship quarterbacks already on your roster and so many of them are first and second year guys? You get why that just isn't very appealing. At the same time, though, you know, you look at Arizona last year and they've got Gunnar Cruz. I think they were at their best probably with Jordan McLeod. Um, Will Plummer, did he start the season? They, they had a few quarterbacks and they're all freshmen or sophomores. Then they add Jaden Delora in the transfer portal, who is the starter at Washington State. and I mean it, it there's a similar thing going on over at Arizona as there is at Colorado. There are differences though. I um, first of all, you compare uh, Brendan Lewis with those three guys I mentioned. It would be a competitive situation. You know, it'd be competitive between him and uh the three quarterbacks who were on the roster last year. Jaden delora coming in, I mean, he's probably the starter at this point. So the fact that Dorman goes to Arizona, I mean, that's a uh, that's <laughs> That, that kind of takes away from the, the point of, well, the Buffs were stacked at quarterback. It isn't like a, a good situation. Obviously, that was something that he was willing to move past and say like, yeah, maybe I have to sit a couple years. Maybe I have to beat those guys out. Either way, because of whatever else I'm willing to go there. And it's also worth noting that Arizona has really picked things up on the recruiting trail. Um, in, in the 2022 cycle, They picked up the second best class in the PAC 12 number 22 nationally. I think, I mean, it's obviously still really early for 2023, but they're sitting there in very similar places. There is some positive momentum with Arizona and it's just kind of hard to compare because I mean, Arizona has been really, really bad for a really long time. What they lost like 19 games in a row, something like that over a couple of seasons, a few seasons. That's a, that's a, Challenge to build back from, and credit to Jed Fish, he seems to be building from there. Now, I mean, last year that meant that they won one game, Um but I mean, it's just kind of a weird situation. So, again, this first little piece does it suck that the Buffs lost out on Braden Dorman? On like the one to ten scale, I'll give it like a a five. A five, probably fair. You know, you have a good quarterback in the state. Um, That that should give you a a decent chance of landing him if you want him. And he leaves for Arizona. And the the promise of playing time isn't necessarily there either. You aren't going into this high-level program. I do think there's something to, you know, does the kid just want to not be in Colorado? You know, does does he just want to go down to Arizona because it's going to be warm and for four years that sounds like a pretty good deal to a high schooler? Like, there's probably some of that at play. Um, the The perks of staying close to home, you know, being in Boulder when you grew up in Colorado Springs, I mean, they're there. You know, it's only a 90-minute drive. It does make you a little bit more accessible for your family. It's not quite the same as being in Denver where you get to cut most of that drive out, but... You know, it's a, it's it's a five. I think that's probably a five on that scale. Now, big picture, Colorado's in-state recruiting. You know, this is something I mentioned before, but I think recruiting in-state is more important than ever before. Um, I think that while it makes sense to go find the best possible players, and I get it when coaches say, you know, I'm not worried about where they're from. I'm worried about what they can do for this program. Makes sense. At the same time, though, I do think that the in state players are much less likely to enter the transfer portal. And that has to come into play when it comes to recruiting. I think that you're not just looking for the best football players, you're looking for the best football players who will be with this program for the duration. Because what you don't want is to be recruiting guys and having them leave after two seasons to go somewhere else and they play their best ball there. You know, that's probably what's going to happen with a Demetri Stanley or a Mark Perry. Um, And, again, like, Demetri comes from Colorado, Cherry Creek, so it's not this Colorado kids will always stay home. Like, that's not how it works, but I do think the odds change, and I do think that that has to be factored in. Um, When you're losing transfers, you want the transfers to lose to be guys that – you don't necessarily want to have around, you know. You you want it to be oh this these three or four receivers just came in in this recruiting class. Uh, it's looking like we've got these top two who are going to be a key piece. We want to open up some playing time for the guys in the class below them. If there's a way to have those other two move along, that'd be great. Which again, what you don't want is hey I can do this at Colorado, but imagine what it'd look like if I did it at Tennessee or at. Oklahoma or USC and you could get more national attention or whatever you know and I do think that there is something to recruiting in-state players and that's obviously an area where Colorado has really really struggled recently Um, last year I think they they only brought in oh they ended up with two right Grant Page and Travis Gray so Again, when you pick up the number three recruit in that class, that's solid. You pick up the number eight recruit in that class, like, okay, that's that's pretty good. Um, but you're seeing the top talent leave consistently um, for, for other places. You know, the, in 2021, the, the, the best recruit from Colorado was Eric Olsen at number four. We pick up Ty Robinson at number seven. But every year, there's those couple of four stars who almost inevitably wind up going to Texas A&M or Ohio state or Michigan or wherever. And and you've just got to start landing a couple of those guys Um, because those are, those are the guys that you want to bet on, right? Like you four stars are always going to be a good look at the very least. They're going to be a good look. They're also probably going to be solid football players at the very least at well. And so when, when you're saying, ah, I'm not so sure, like whatever, whatever, if, if, you can get your hands on an in-state four-star, like you just got to be able to go get that done at some point. Um, And I think that that is a bit of a hurdle right now um, because I do think that they all, all the recruits kind of pay some attention to what is happening um, in terms of recruiting. I think that like this year, Blake purchase, he's an edge rusher from Cherry Creek, just kind of like a prototypical edge, number 10 edge in the country. Um, he probably realizes that top recruits in Colorado are going to other schools. You know, he's at Cherry Creek where he's seen a bunch of really good football players move on to, to, you know, teams that have more national recognition teams that have been competing for national titles recently, or at the very least for conference titles recently. So I don't know how you start doing it. I think that it's a lot tougher to say like, this is how you go about landing them. But I do think that an emphasis needs to be placed on that, and I, I don't necessarily think that you're going to be able to become a Pac-12 champion if you're not getting the best kids from Colorado to play at Colorado. Um, I think that when you look across the board to, to all conferences, um, at least all Power 5 conferences, the bulk of the work that they do... Uh, at the very least, they're not losing their in-state players. And so, you've just got to flip that switch. And Braden Dorman was kind of the chance to do that, right? Where if you're just plucking one of the top three every year from Colorado, hey, that's a solid start. And he gave you a chance to get number two. Uh, number three, Joshua Bates, He uh, he's going to Oklahoma. And, you know, he, he visited... Yeah, he definitely visited Colorado. And... You know, this was he was originally committed to Oklahoma. Then everything happens with Lincoln Riley, and um, his his father, of course, is Justin Bates, who is the tackle for for Colorado. What ten ish years ago? Uh, but there was there was a, a feeling that Bates absolutely could be going to Colorado, could even be favoring going to Colorado, um, but for whatever reason, and, you know, let's just say that for, for whatever reason, the buffs were not able to close the deal. And I think that it was a deal that I think they should have been able to close. I'll, I'll say that. Um, but again, that's how you lose a a highly rated center center. It was probably the position he'll play who obviously has pedigree, is an in-state player and he winds up saying, "You know what? I'll stick with Oklahoma." Now again, you're just you're you're limited in options. You know, n- number 1 still available. If you go land Blake purchase, you could excuse just about everything else because he's going to be your top recruit in your class. I mean, for he he could go to what? There's there's 130-ish power fi- or uh, FBS schools. He could probably go to 100 of them. A hundred of them, and be their best recruit, maybe even more than that. Um, and so, if you land that guy, yeah, in-state recruiting, whatever else happens, you call it good. But you're just starting to see the options start to dry up, and it'd be disappointing if they aren't able to pick up some some good players in this class again. And we can kind of wrap this up just by saying, you know, it does take time to build those relationships with high school coaches. Um, you know, the the more Carl Durrell does going around, going to high school games, um, meeting with those coaches, so the coaches put in a good word for Colorado, doing all those sorts of things, those are very valuable. And those relationships can't be built just overnight, unless you know you are just paying them off to push them in a way. And that, uh, that does not seem to be Carl's style as much as it could be down south. Um, so there's those things that need to happen. And for as good as Darren Cheverini was recruiting, you know, a bulk of his work came in Texas. And you're, you've kind of been missing this guy who recruits the state of Colorado well. Um, and I'm, I'm sure if, if you were to ask somebody who's, who's followed this team longer, especially on the recruiting side, they could say like, ah, here was the coach, the assistant coach, 10 years ago who was doing a good job recruiting the state of Colorado. And ever since then, it hasn't happened. But since I've been here... I just haven't seen that guy. Um, you wonder who it could be. Um, you know, could Kyle Devan build those relationships? Obviously, the McChesney relationship, that that's a nice little pipeline, hopefully, through there. Um, you look at Phil McGagan. He seems to be very focused on national recruiting. He's going all over the place with offers. Uh, so, could it be him? Potentially, but... haven't really seen it so far you know darian hagan you don't you just don't have a lot of guys with deep colorado roots except for a darian hagan and even for him while he's now lived here for what probably 20 years of his life minimum um minimum definitely minimum and if he was still here there you guys know the story there's there's a gap where he could have also been here but uh He, he still comes from California. Like you just don't have somebody who's just like grew up in Colorado, became, and I wonder if, if that's what's needed to, to start closing the deal just a little bit more often with these guys, uh, some former player, you know, if Phil Lindsay comes back and, and becomes a coach. Like he would be perfect for recruiting in state, um, I don't know. You guys, you guys get the picture, but something does need to change there. And while I do think that so far, you have to say, like, okay, this has been a win for Colorado on the recruiting trail to this point. Now, again, they only have three recruits, so that's pretty easy to do. Um, missing out on players like Braden Dorman, it's uh it's acceptable, right? And I even hesitate to say that. It's like it's borderline acceptable. Um, but if, if you miss out on all these top five players in Colorado, it's going to leave a hole. And, and that to me is what's unacceptable. Any one of them alone. Sure. They, you can bridge that gap and eventually you can make it to the point where you've got 50, 50 shot at the very least for anybody in Colorado, you know, that's, that's the world you want to live in and they're just not there yet. And that's what they need to build toward. Um, I don't know. I've said most of my thoughts on this before. We can probably just move along to basketball. But one final thing. It does just take winning, right? Like, all all of these kids who grow up playing football in Colorado... What you want is for them to see a dominant Colorado program that's that's winning Pac-12 championships and going to consistent bowl games and, and putting players in the NFL. And, you know, this Phil Lindsay goes to Colorado, goes to the Broncos, look at what he did. That's the kind of thing that I think is really valuable and, and helps when it comes to recruiting in-state players. At the same time, though, you just need more of it. You know, there, there's just a, a level of volume that needs to come in terms of both wins and pushing guys to the NFL. Because I, I do think that considering the the level of play that Colorado has sustained over the last 10 or 15 years, whatever time frame you want, considering that the amount of players they've put into the NFL has been very solid has been very solid but there's still just one level higher that I think it needs to get to um i think consistent bowl games need to be just a, a must you know games in november that are relevant for who for for like the Pac-12 title that is necessary um and until that comes, I just don't think that you're going to get a lot of kids who grow up in Colorado saying, you know what, I, I want to be a Buffalo. I want to be a Buffalo. Because back in the 90s, that's what all the kids did, right? Because all the all, all the teams were really good. Because they are spending Saturdays going to games because their parents were interested, because the Buffs were actually really good. Um, and it's just building that culture, not just... Within, like, the locker room, a coaching staff, those sorts of things. But within Boulder and within the state of Colorado, that that says Colorado football, that's something you want to be a part of. And that's something that, you know, oh, you're a transplant. You move here from Texas and you're not getting your your football fix. Well, guess what? You've got the Colorado Buffaloes 30 minutes up the road from Denver. And if you buy in, you're going to have a good time. You know, it's just a, a step away or two steps away, even maybe, but it's definitely not where this is right now because of that you just don't have kids first of all you'd love for them to be growing up diehard Buffs fans going to CU games wearing CU gear doing all that stuff Um, and that mostly comes from indoctrinating the parents but also for them to just be aware for for them to be saying like oh Colorado's in a bowl game because that's how it is in Montana right Uh, which again very different circumstances but everybody in the state Starting in November is just like okay, here it comes. Here's the push. Are they gonna? Are, are they a one-loss team? Are they a two-loss team? Because here comes the tournament, and and that's when things get crazy. You just don't quite have that same energy behind Colorado football right now. And from what I've heard, it used to be here. Um, so building that back, there's a lot of different pieces, and some of it is. Some of it isn't off the field. You know, we'd always talk about that as the big piece because it really is the big piece. Um, you do need to just, at the end of the day, be winning games. But I think that they could do better with, and you call it marketing, I think just straight up call it propaganda. Like, indoctrinate these kids. And this is the kind of things that I've talked about a lot on this podcast, but the idea that students have to pay to go to games and then people say like, oh, it's only a 100 bucks," and that gets them into everything. It's like that hundred bucks could be the barrier for somebody and you don't want to give them that barrier. You do everything you can because you have four years to indoctrinate these people and make sure that they are diehard Colorado fans for life. You know, you, you can pander to the to the people who are in their sixties and seventies who are donating money or buying the box seats or sitting down closest or whatever. But the truth is if you're in your 60s or 70s, you've got another 10 years where you're contributing to CU football, whether it's straight away through donations, whether it's buying tickets, whether it's watching on TV, whether it's buying gear, whether it's telling kids or grandkids or whoever that, hey, this is a good time up here, and then they wind up deciding to enroll. When you're talking about college kids, you're talking about 50 years of fandom that you can get. And so while it may not be the most valuable right now, down the road, those kids are going to have money, and you want that money going to CU. And even if they don't have money, they're going to have eyeballs and you want their eyeballs on CU. So this, it's one of these things that I've just noticed that you need to have a full on press, making sure that you are doing everything you can to get every CU student to be a diehard buff sports fan, whether it's football, whether it's basketball, whatever for the rest of their life. And, Again, winning plays into that too. Winning plays into everything in college football. But that's one where you say, hey, not only is everything free, we're giving out t-shirts for every game. And guess what? It might cost us a million dollars over the course of the season to be giving out t-shirts. But we're going to get these goofy-ass t-shirts and the kids are going to love them and it's going to get them going to games. And does it really matter? No. But to a college kid, getting a t-shirt is a lot of fun, especially if you can make it a good one. You know, And, and there's simple things like that. They're like, Hey, first 500 people here. We're gonna be passing out pizza. Again, it's it it's easy to say ah too expensive. We can't be blowing that money. It's like that is where the money comes from long term. That's that's just that's not blowing money. That's an investment. Saying that now these kids, if maybe maybe he was going to be a lifelong CU football fan. Maybe he was always going to be going to every game, even living in Boulder. But maybe maybe now he's going to you know start contributing to the scholarship fund, or or maybe he wasn't going to be going to games and and now he's going to be making a trip back to Boulder from wherever he lives and making sure that he spends that money once or twice a year, you know, maybe maybe they weren't going to be fans and now whenever the Buffs are on TV on a Saturday and there's nothing going on, he turns on the TV and that's just one more view like those. It, it, it's really easy to brush them to the side because it doesn't have the immediate payout. And I get that, but indoctrinate students at CU and that will really help long term. Um, I don't know. Let's, let's move along. Let's move along. Cause that was, that slowly got away from Braden Dorman anyway. Point is, If Braden Dorman's dad had been indoctrinated, then who knows? Maybe he would have been pushing CU all along and that could have paid off. There's so many different things that can matter. you know. Even you guys heard the conversation yesterday when I talked with Eddie Schultz. I'm going with Eddie for now. Um, but, But his coach is Scotty McKnight's dad. And so Scotty McKnight got on the phone with him and said, this is the best decision I ever made. There you go. And that little connection... That was the difference in terms of him committing to Colorado or Texas A&M or Oklahoma or whatever. And is that something CU controlled? Nope. But it it always comes down to something, and you've got to stack those odds in your favor however you can. So there you go. I, uh, I think real quick, let's talk about a couple of things that aren't basketball, and then we'll talk about basketball. First, Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, Breckenridge makes all sorts of great beers. I mean, basically any kind of beer that you could want, they make it. At least uh, coming from somebody who isn't super educated about beers, I believe that to be true. Uh, Whether you like the Vanilla Porter, the Strawberry Sky, they have like lagers and ales and IPAs and all of all the different sorts of of beers uh, out there. And they're good and they support us and they support basically the entire Denver sports scene. They've got deals with the Nuggets and the Avs and all that sort of stuff. They obviously have a deal with a, the this podcast. Uh, so we really appreciate everything they do for us. least that we could do is say that you should drink their beers because they're really, really, really good. Everybody wins here. They pay us to say that. Uh, We get to tell you about good beers. You get to drink the good beers because you drink the good... It's like, see, it's this happy little circle that everybody likes. Uh, So definitely support them. They make a lot of what we do here possible. Also, DraftKings Sportsbook. They also make a lot of what we do here possible. Um, We... uh, I'm trying to think. Did I make any bets yesterday? I didn't make any bets yesterday. Um, I did go on the DMVR Bets Daily show on Monday and gave out the uh, the Kraken to lose, I can't remember who they're playing, the Canadians to cover plus one and a half, uh, plus one and a half at plus 130. So if they were able to keep it within one goal, you get better than one-to-one odds, which is crazy, right? Like, it's hockey, that's what happens. They wind up winning that game 5-2, twos. So that was a lock. And then the last one was, oh, UCLA minus 13, killed it killed it. So uh 3 and 0 there, made some money, uh, but didn't make any bets yesterday. I got to get back on the track. I think the Nuggets play tomorrow. I wonder what those odds are. Also the the uh Avs on Friday, no Nathan McKinnon. Might be time to bet against them because they they aren't, they aren't like bad. They're like just really solid without Nate and they've been like a win 3 out of 4 type of team recently. So if they're like 3-1 to one odds or whatever, you might have to jump on the other side. As terrible as that sounds. I'll be there on Friday, by the way. Ooh, also, I checked, but there isn't a lineup for this Buffs basketball game. But with the NBA getting back after the uh, All-Star break, there's some awesome sort of stuff that you can get in on. The big big news, though, is that if you bet $1, you can get 150 in free bets if you pick a winner. So you pick any team in any game. Make a $1 bet. If you're a new user, you'll get $150 in free bets. It's a great deal. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR and bet just $1 on any NBA team. Get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code DMVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Uh into some basketball stuff. Speaking of basketball, um I'm curious to see how how many people are at these games. Uh, cuz if they're not sold out, especially especially Saturday obviously. If Saturday's not sold out, then there's a big issue. Um but if neither are sold out, that would uh that'd be disappointing. Um also, just one last point on that last thing. This is the kind of stuff where it's like, yes, if you if you give the students the middle of the court, you know, the, 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 the best seats and, and let them do their crazy stuff there, does that mean that you're losing some money? Yeah, but it also means the students are getting the best possible experience and that will pay dividends down the road. Um, so, again, it's those sorts of things. Also, if they're rejecting students on Saturday... And it isn't a sellout. See, that is kind of like the epitome of what I was talking about earlier. Where it's like, if anything, reject the the non-students. You know, in, inflate those ticket prices. Double the size of the student section. And say, guess what? Sorry, guys. The other 7,000 of you. Well, now we can only have 5,000 of you. Whoops. Too bad. And also, we now get to charge you an extra 10 bucks each. Because that's what the market would say. Less supply. Um So... Those sorts of things just, I wouldn't say, like, drive me crazy, but if I were in charge, which I should not be, let me make that very clear, I would, that would kind of be the, at the forefront of my mind. If if I was campaigning to be, like, the, in charge of athletics, I guess that's athletics director, right? I'd be like, this is what we're going to do. Students first. And, uh. I would not get elected because I'm horribly not qualified. Uh, the point is, the basketball game happening tomorrow is against Arizona State, and it should be a good one. I know that Arizona State is having a really disappointing season, first of all. I think they're 10-16 and 16 right now. Still, there is more there than that record would imply. Um I'm not looking at this game as like a, a pushover by any means, even though you are at home and it is against a team that's really struggling. ESPN has their like basketball power index that predicts all the games, and uh, they say that there's a 69% chance that Colorado wins, 31% that they lose. Uh, first of all, nice. Second of all, I think that that's about spot on. Two to one, that feels about right. Um, again, when when Colorado played at Arizona State. Manhandled them. Um, and it was it was one of those second-half performances that we've seen a lot of recently. I think they they were up three at halftime, wound up winning the game uh, 75-57, so by 18, so beat them by 15 in the second half. Again, yeah, we've seen some of that recently. I think what I, the the Buffs won last week's games, the, the three-game road trip. They won the first half by combined three points, all the first halves combined. Uh, in the second half, they outscored their opponents by 48, which is just kind of absurd. But, I mean, that's winning by one on average in the first half and 16 in the second half. So pretty similar to three in the first half, 15 in the second against this Arizona State team. Um, I think that... What stands out the most about Arizona State is just the the lack of scoring. Um, who their their leading scorer? I'm blanking on his name. Uh, there it is, DJ Horn. So DJ Horn's putting up about 12 points a game. Last game he puts up nine. Game before that's 10. Game before that 16 against Oregon. Big upset win. Game before that's five. It's seven, eleven, eleven, four. And so they're just it's kind of it's kind of like Colorado in a lot of ways in that. They don't necessarily know where the scoring is going to come from any given night. The difference with Colorado, though, is that they typically find... Like, Colorado typically has just like one more option on any given night that winds up working out. Um, so, I mean, just going by the numbers, Arizona State, they're 11th in the Pac-12 in scoring during conference play. They're 11th in field goal percentage. They're 12th in three-point shoot- shooting. Um, I, think, I think it's notable that at this point, Colorado is head and shoulders the best three-point shooting team in the Pac-12. Like, it, it's not even close. Uh, Colorado, they've made 39% of their threes during conference play. Almost 40% shooting as a team. Pretty crazy from three. Second best... USC at 34.7, you got Utah at 33.9, Oregon at 33.4, Arizona at 33.2, Washington State 32.9. So, I mean, basically the entire conference, so seven, or sorry, three through nine, so about a little more than half the conference is shooting either in the 32 or 33 percents. The others are still like in those low 30s somewhere. Meanwhile, Colorado's sitting there at 39 and while they aren't taking quite as many as, as the, the top teams in the conference are probably toward the bottom in terms of total three-pointers taken, they're fourth in three-pointers made. And so you can't blame it all just on, like, oh, they aren't really shooting the three. They're, they're shooting quite a few, and they're still making it at just a remarkable rate. Uh, meanwhile, uh, so I mentioned 39% for Colorado. Arizona State, 29%. Twenty nine point two, so a full ten point gap between Colorado and Arizona State. So that's really what stands out. And at the other end, obviously, for Arizona State to be I think they're they're eighth in the Pac twelve right now. Oh, those are the football standings that have pulled up for other reasons. There we go. Um ninth. Ninth. So they're sitting there at six and ten. 10-16 and 16 overall, second-worst record in the Pac-12 overall, but they're better than three teams in terms of uh, conference record. 6-10 and 10 is uh, not good, obviously. And f- for them to still be able to win those six games, though, with the scoring that they have, the defense is pretty solid. It's not, like, elite by any means, and they really struggle rebounding, too, um, but... They're actually allowing other teams to shoot 29% from three, um, second best in the conference. So fun, fun little matchup there, right, with Colorado, best shooting, uh, three-point team, uh, Arizona State allowing the a pretty p- solid percentage if you're looking at it from Arizona State's perspective. Um, also with the rebounding margin, Colorado's in fourth, Arizona State in 11th. Um, so there you go. There's There's just kind of some numbers there that give you an idea of what to look at um, And again, on any given night, the, the key players really change. Um, I think that for Colorado, that the big question is who's going to be passing the ball, who's going to be doing the playmaking. Um, for, for Arizona State, it's like who is actually going to be able to put the ball in the hoop. And as long as Colorado's out there playing solid basketball and not going through crazy dry spells or turning the ball over or giving up offensive rebounds those sorts of things yeah they should definitely win this game but just because there still are some question marks about Colorado and and whether they can show up and and just put together a solid performance because you, you don't see those very often I think that this two to one Colorado to win probably makes sense um I'll also add that yeah, they're, they're on the five-game winning streak. There's a lot to like about that. But throughout the five-game winning streak, they've been really streaky. And that's where a team like Arizona State, I feel like, can kind of claw their way into games. They can build a bit of a lead if, if you go cold and then hold on to it and grind and grind and grind. We haven't seen a lot of just 40-minute, huh, pretty pretty good basketball there, Buffs. Like, we'll give you a solid B-plus for, for every minute of those 40 minutes. You know, it's it's a lot of swings, and that's going to create some variation. But, again, Colorado's playing good basketball. Still definitely, in my opinion, favored to win the game. If they do, they're uh, they're pretty close to making some noise in the Pac-12. There have been some favorable results recently. So, at this point, I'm, I'm pretty sure getting in front of UCLA for number three, or, or or USC, they're tied, I guess, for two and three right there at 12 and four. I'm pretty sure that that's impossible. But getting to number four and securing a buy in the Pac-12 tournament, not impossible. Uh, as it stands right now, Colorado 10-7 and 7 in conference, three games left. Oregon 10-6. and 6. Oregon's next game, they're at home against UCLA. After that, they'll be at home against USC. So this UCLA game, I mean, everybody's going to be picking UCLA to win that. Uh, UCLA is going to be a very heavy favorite. I'm actually going to let's see what the uh, BPI has to say about that game, and why pull that up. Um, it's worth noting that Oregon swept USC and UCLA uh, on the road trip down to Los Angeles. So again, Oregon's kind of one of these weird teams, right? Where they've they've won some games against good teams, they've lost some games against bad teams. What does that mean for this one? Who freaking knows? But BPI says Oregon has a 28% chance of beating UCLA. Also says that they have a 53% chance of beating USC. So I'm probably expected outcome is one and one there. Probably win one of them, drop the other. Uh, Meanwhile, Colorado, probably one and one as well. So you're going into this final stretch where... Colorado has a uh, a game against Utah, a game that I mean they should win. Oregon still has two games left against Washington and Washington State. Those are two games that Oregon should win. And so if if they split these games and win those two on the road, well then you're talking about three and one finish, thirteen and seven. They finish. Uh, Colorado drops to Arizona, wins against Arizona State, Utah, twelve and eight, one game back. Um, so these are these are going to come down to the wire. And to make things even a little more dramatic, uh, so the tiebreaker in the Pac-12, first of all, is just head-to-head. Who won when the two teams played against each other? Um, obviously, Colorado beat Oregon on the road, lost to Oregon in, in Boulder. And because of that, you move on to the second tiebreaker, which is the team's record against the team that finishes first in the Pac-12. As it stands right now, Arizona is a very, very, very clear favorite to finish first in the regular season, the Pac-12. They're 14-1. You've got USC, UCLA, like I said, 12-4. You You'd need three losses from Arizona for them to drop. So, Oregon actually, because of the way the schedules work, 20-game conference schedule, So that means you play every team twice except for two teams because obviously that would be 22 games if you played every team twice. And so you play those other two teams once one of the teams they played once is Arizona. They got one shot, they lost. It's about winning percentage, so if, if they finish 0 and 1 against Arizona and Colorado finishes 0 and 2 against Arizona, then that uh that doesn't matter. That's a that's a draw either way. From there though, you move down to the next team in the standings, USC, UCLA, either way. Colorado doesn't have a win over those teams. Oregon already does. Who knows? They could have two if they play well this weekend. Um, but that means that Oregon is going to have the tiebreaker unless Colorado beats Arizona. And talking through the schedule for Oregon the rest of the way, they're probably going to finish a game in front of Colorado, assuming Colorado loses to Arizona. So you see where this is building up to. Where I think odds are, if Colorado finishes three and zero they will wind up tying with Oregon having the tiebreaker and getting a bye in the Pac-12 tournament. Now it's a lot to ask and who knows. Maybe maybe Oregon loses to UCLA, loses to you uh, sorry, USC, then they're at 10 and 8, then split with the Washington teams and they're 11 and 9. Meanwhile, Colorado finishes 2-1. Like it's possible. There there's a, a, another path, but I think there's probably a 60% chance, no, even more than that. There's probably an 80% chance that Colorado needs to finish 3-0 to get this by. Um, so there's there's where the stage is set. And remember, right now, I think most people are projecting the Pac-12 to only get three teams in, Arizona, USC, UCLA. Typically, the Pac-12 gets four or five teams into the NCAA tournament, though. So if Colorado can, at the very least, climb those regular season rankings that uh that helps the case a little bit. You pull off a couple wins in the Pac-12 tournament, that really helps. Um if if they beat Arizona, then all of a sudden, I mean that that alone would be close to putting them in the conversation. So somehow the Buffs are in contention for a uh a spot in one of those four buys. And and does it really matter? I mean honestly, yeah. Honestly, it really does because the way the tournament works in the second round, four and five will play each other. As it stands right now, it really looks like that's going to be Oregon and Colorado playing each other. Um, regardless, in in that second round, uh, the question is which one of them has to take on. I guess it's probably Oregon State the game before. So, I mean, either team should be able to beat Oregon State, right? You'd you'd think, but there we go. So there's there's kind of like the the outlook for uh, what's up in the conference. In terms of who to root for, um, obviously, you are rooting hard against Oregon, and you're probably... I mean, Washington, sneaky sitting there at 8-7, and seven, you probably want to see them lose against Washington State uh, tonight as well, Wednesday night. And then I think they have more games over the weekend, too. I'm not sure against who, but... you want to see Washington lose, probably. You definitely want to see Oregon lose, though. And more important than anything... Colorado winning. So there's a there's your little update on what's going on uh, in terms of around the, the buffs in the conference standings, and I think that that's about it. Again, they they can't get too sloppy tomorrow. I think that that's that been the path to victory for Arizona State all season. Um, just messing things up and making it a fifty-five to fifty-four game. That's what Arizona State is all about. Um, the 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 resume for Arizona State not impressive. You know, losses to UC Riverside, San Diego State, and some good teams: Baylor, Syracuse, Loyola, Chicago is always a factor. Um, but that that five game losing streak they started two and six, which is brutal. Um, loss to San Francisco, Cal, uh, Stanford, USC, Arizona, USC. That's a tough stretch, but. Also, you know they did they did beat Oregon by a solid m- margin. We've seen Oregon play well. Um, they they beat UCLA in triple overtime uh, earlier this month. So you've seen these flashes where they've been they've been good. They've been what you probably expect uh, from from an Arizona State team at this point, which is you know competing for for a bye. But for the most part, they they've struggled and. We'll see. We'll uh, we'll see tomorrow, and I will talk to you all after the game. See you then.